Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Shut up and sit down. Hey everybody, Adam and John here with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast, back from vacation with a special guest here on the line, recording from the Chevy Silverado in his mother-in-law's driveway, Kevin Vistenson <laughs> of the Deer Hunter podcast. How are you doing today, Kevin? I'm doing well. I can confirm those are all facts. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if if anybody hasn't been you know, following along with us, or if anybody's listening to us that hasn't heard of the deer hunter podcast for those two people we're probably going to lose them as listeners because they're going to go what's this guy all about go over there listen to your content and be like get rid of these two clowns and let's get into this real goat rodeo over here that they call the deer hunter podcast so what what's going on about you know if people don't know what you guys are doing over there um kind of give us the rundown goat rodeo is a good way to sum it up dude really <laughs> kind of nailed that one right there um yeah, so I have uh, had uh, a pretty nice uh, studio set up in my garage, which uh, was basically a big bar that we hang out at and uh, have some beers and throw some headphones on and talk about deer hunting. And uh, my wife and I just kind of, due to the real estate market, decided late this summer that we were going to sell our place. And uh, that finally happened here right around Christmas time. We just, you know, it was our first home. Uh, it was kind of an emotional thing. We sold our first house um, that we had. We got married in and we had our our son in. And uh, it was a weird thing, man. So, you know, I've never been through anything like that before, like selling a home that you've grown together as a family in. And we just parted ways with that. And we're just uh, venturing into the next chapter of our life and uh my wife and i are both starting new jobs um they may require uh some travel and some moving around so it made sense for us at this moment to not buy something uh so that we weren't anchored to a specific location and so for this period of time which hopefully is shorter than longer I am currently a resident of my mother-in-law's basement. <laughs> I think we've all been there. Well, I've yeah. been there. <laughs> so, yeah, man, you you know, the, um, I don't know, you hear, you hear people talk about it. You know, the guy that's sitting down in his mom's basement, you know, typing all the nasty shit <laughs> uh, onto the comment sections. Uh, 
I'll say that's not me. I'm still <laughs> only posting positive things, uh, but they are coming from the basement of my mother's house. Yeah, that's what I want to hear on the next intro, like coming to you live. From... <laughs> <laughs> but Yeah, man, it's a weird time uh, for me. It's a weird time for us. Um, obviously have a ton of stuff going on in my personal life. Uh, I have a ton of stuff going on in my family life. It's, uh, I'm wearing a few different hats right now. I'm juggling it all and just, uh, kind of moving at a high, high pace, which I don't really mind except for the fact that the time goes by real fast and, uh, I like life and, uh, it irritates me when things, the time periods go by super fast. So, uh, I try to step back day to day and just take it in and enjoy the moment. But, uh, there hadn't been a whole lot of time to, step back uh as of late uh, just kind of have a full plate right now which i know you know most people can relate to um but uh that that's that's where i'm at just kind of wrapping up my deer season uh i am here in metro detroit so we have an extended archery season that goes to the end of this month for the tri-county area so i actually could have the chance to get out and still do some deer hunting um which i very much would like to do i still have an antlerless tag and i still have my restricted buck tag um but i, I don't know if it's in my cards man i keep saying i'm going to get out there and do it but uh you know before i know it it's going to be the end of january so and it's so damn difficult when it gets dark at five o'clock i mean yeah it's it's just so depressing you know yeah and the you know there's not a ton of value in the mornings uh, at this point in the year, which Saturday and Sunday morning is kind of the easiest time for me to get out when I'm not on a hunting trip and I'm working day to day because I can get up way ahead of the family and just kind of get gone and I can be back typically by the time the household's up and running. Um, it's definitely harder to step away in the evenings and those are the more valuable sets this time of year and yeah during the week uh you know forget it by the time i got home tonight it'd been dark for four hours you know what i mean so right. so, let, so let's get into your hunting style like one of the things that i've noticed like listening to to your podcast and like it seems like all the guys because you're over you know we're on the west side of the state you're on the the eastern side of the state there uh detroit area like you said it seems like all of you guys if you don't hunt farmland or like a local farm or something like that you all head up to the the pigeon so you that's that's where you guys um kind of all migrate to is that a was that pretty common over there or is it just like just the families you know that you guys are around with because it seems like you know for us everything is manistee national forest you guys on the other side of the state it's like the pigeon is the place to go yeah, I think I don't know that it uh, lines up like geographically. Like everybody on this side of the state goes to a place, and everybody on that side of the state goes to a place. I think it breaks down to uh, family groups and friends and uh, tradition. You know, it's like traditionally, where did your dad and your uncle um, and your grandfather go deer hunting? You know what I mean? And then they kind of start to take you. And you follow in their footsteps, and that kind of becomes your home turf. You know what I mean? So uh, my our story is kind of an interesting one. So um, my father 
when he was in his mid thirties. Uh, so my brother and I were very young. Um, he and a group of friends bought a piece of property. Um, uh, a father of one of my dad's friends had already owned this piece of property up in Northern Michigan. And it's situated at the Southern end of the Pigeon River State Forest. So they had already had this property. Uh, my dad and his friends bought it from my dad's buddy's father. Uh, they formed an LLC called Buckhorn Ridge Hunt Club. And that was, you know, where my dad and mom started taking us up to kind of go up north. And that led to my parents buying a cabin in that area. And the, the hunting property was that. It was, uh, it was designed to be just a piece of property so no cabins or structures on it but uh as people fell more and more in love with it the joining owners all bought cabins in the surrounding area and then that would bring friends and other family members up there and then they would fall in love with the area and before you knew it like you'd go up there on fourth of july weekend or over new year's or something and you know all the family members all the friends everybody's up there at their cabins uh, everybody's bouncing back and forth. I mean, it was, man, it was just a great, great way to grow up. And uh, I'm glad that my parents did that. And I'm glad that I had that uh, opportunity and experience. And, um, you know, that, that was a big part of me growing up to love deer hunting because I used to step in those woods and the, this piece of property is 120 acres. But it's the, you know, it's the landscape of it is is very much different than the landscape of the woods and the terrain down here and i was just instantly drawn to like what is out here you know like even though it was 120 acres i mean it felt like it felt like the whole a whole entire different world um and as i got older that got smaller and I started to venture outside of that property, especially, you know, in the last 10 years. Um, and I was like, I realized, I was like, you're kidding me. Like, there's 105,000 acres basically attached to our 120 that I have, like, every right to as, uh, you know, public landowner to go out and venture in and, I started doing that and then it got real, real, you know what I mean? Cause I just started traversing around and finding all these different areas. And then that kind of led to finding like better deer hunting spots that had less pressure than even our, you know, our private land received a lot of pressure with like friends and family members hunting on there. So I started to be able to get away from, you know, it was weird, uh, different than what, most people's situation would be I got off the private land to get away from the pressure and uh that just kind of made me fall in love with like public land hunting and the adventure side of hunting and just getting out checking out new turf finding better spots and that hasn't stopped uh all that's done is uh you know get inside me been planted as a seed and just grow and grow and grow and every year i want to see more and more and more and revisit spots that i've been to um 
and uh, it's it's basically consumed. Uh, it's consumed me a huge part of who I am now as a hunter. So, so growing up that way, like we're around about the same age, so we would have come up in the same like time frames without so much social media and and everything like that in our maybe formative years. You know when you first start hunting. So what were your goals like, or what was the, your hunting expectations? Um, and then how has that changed throughout this whole process? Like what, what, what was the average buck pole like in those days? Um, and it wasn't like, well, that one's not a 140 or, you know, what, what was a good buck, you know? I think for that area in Northern Michigan, uh, you know, obviously everybody's got their own opinions, but for myself, it seems pretty consistent that if you can, if you can, uh, year in, year out, take a good two, you know, like an above average two and a half year old buck up there, um, that's pretty good. You know, it's, I think it's been relatively easy, um, growing up to kill a year and a half old buck up there because of baiting. Um, but you know, now obviously all that changes, uh, going forward, uh, as of next year, you can't bait up there. Um, and there was plenty of times where I hunted where I didn't bait. Um, you know, that was kind of always my, my, uh, my expectations would be, you know, that I, if I could go up there and get a two and a half year old deer, um, I felt like I was doing something. And, but that wasn't like, I didn't like draw the line there. Like I, I don't, uh, the whole like tag soup thing doesn't exist in my book. Uh, (laughs) I don't eat that stuff. Uh, I have no interest in it. Um, I love to deer hunt. Um, you know, the food thing nowadays, it's, uh, I hate to say it's trendy, but like, right. People do know that it's like the best way to, uh, I guess, spread the word that like, outside of the hunting people that do hunt or grow up hunting like that's kind of the, like the respected way that you introduce other people to it is like yeah this is like a really efficient way to go get some high quality food you know if you want to go eat like the highest quality food at a restaurant or go to the grocery store and buy like the organic and the non-gmo stuff you are going to pay a ton of money and there's a loophole like there's a way to get around that it's just consists of effort and hard work um so i don't like ever coming home with an empty truck bed so like even though i have a social platform that a lot of people follow and a lot of people see my pictures when i post them uh i am not ashamed for one second to post any legal take uh antlerless deer year one year old buck um if i'm taking time and money out of my family's household so that i can go up north um they deserve for me to bring something home for them uh as well and and i know my wife feels that way like she will make that statement to me like i'm like oh you know i can tell you're not super happy that i'm going up north this weekend hunting you know and she'll say well you know be happier if you bring a deer home <laughs> and uh for me it's like all right cool like a green light you know what i mean like yeah i like shooting deer and i'm glad that some of the places that i've chose 
to hang my hat on and kind of call my home turf provide an exceptional challenge to even go up north and on a two-day hunt to kill a deer period uh year and a half old buck two and a half year old buck antlerless deer it's just not a gimme it's not a spot we're going to go out and see 12 deer a day i mean those days do happen um and there's definitely spots that produce more than other spots but uh well i've had times where i've gone up hunting you know for two or three days and not seen a deer and it's not for lack of effort it's just a tough place to hunt and i think that drives within me that um i just still enjoy like deer hunting at the foundation and uh when i go up there my goal still to this day is just to uh make a you know make a clean kill um not have to go on a three mile track job deep in a swamp and make more work than necessary for myself, uh, make ethical kill. So the deer dies within close proximity and then get that thing out, uh, get it treated correctly in the field, uh, and get that thing home and hung up and aged and processed and be able to put a bunch of the highest quality food that, uh, I think exists in the freezer. So I know, you know, we don't have a, a whole lot of time here tonight. You know, you've got some obligations, and uh, we've got to get get all of our shit together for heading to ATA. So I want to kind of transition that into, like, one of the, the you know, we've kind of evolved into this mobile hunting type, type setup. Um, and really a lot of that, you know, has been kind of following your lead a little bit. Um, you know, you started off last year kind of, diving into the whole hunting bee style hunting and it was your first year doing the 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 podcast and you know consuming all that information and you had a a tremendous year um how how did that like the last year kind of um i guess help with your your or change like your your style of hunting or the way that you looked at the woods um, from from where you when you had been brought up hunting well traditionally brought up it was like go to this ground blind that's been built and sitting in this place for 14 years or go to this ground blind that's been sitting here for 14 or 15 years you know and um i was always an explorer man i wanted to see what was over what's over here what's over there and so the mobile hunting way is just like, it, it just opens so many doors, right? Like, and let's talk about like the, the financial aspect of it. Okay. Um, whether you're hunting public land or a private farm or whatever, if you're going to buy or build a bunch of ground blinds or you're going to buy, let's say you go buy 12, tree stands and on your property or this chunk of state land that you hunt you've got 12 spots set up no matter how cheap of the stuff that you spend the money on you're going to have a relatively sizable investment to even have a dozen spots so the counter to that is to buy one awesome high quality mobile setup 
that fits your needs that you're comfortable with, not what anybody else is comfortable with. Like, you know, you get into this space and it's uh, people are really emotional and invested in it. They were real quick to tell you that your stuff sucks and their stuff's better and the way that they do it works and you're wrong and they're right or vice versa. Um, it's not about that. It's about what works for you, what you're comfortable with. And you, you now have free range and unlimited opportunity to go anywhere that you want, check out any piece of ground that you want. And it's like, if you're on limited time, it's just not happening here. Bail, go somewhere else. Like go somewhere where it is happening, where you are seeing deer. Um, I know that the mobile hunting thing evolved from guys that want to kill older class bucks. And there's no arguing. It is the most efficient way uh, to get on a mature, older age class deer. They typically know where preset locations are and they do a pretty good job of avoiding them. So ambush is the proper approach. But two, if you're just like want to go deer hunting and you're just not seeing deer, uh, you can make a move and go somewhere else. And and even if it's for me, like sometimes, man, I just need a change of scenery. You know what I mean? It's like I, I know what the sunrise is going to look like here. I know the sunset's going to look like here. Like, let's go check it out. You know, a half mile from here, find a different spot. And I'm telling you, man, there are some times where I'll just step into a piece of woods where I'm just like, man, this is a beautiful landscape. I'm just going to sit here tonight and enjoy this. Like, I don't even care if I, you know, obviously the intention is I always want to see deer, but I'm telling you that sometimes impacts where I sit is if I, you know, get into somewhere and I'm like, man, this is just a cool spot. I'm going to sit here for tonight because it's, it's, you know, pristine wildlife habitat and it's, a whole lot different than what I get to see in my daily week when living in a metropolitan area, commuting to and from work. So the mobile hunting thing has really probably more so than anything evolved me as like an adventurer, uh, you know, and to like just the exploration of all these places. I mean, there is so much public land. It's insane. I think here in Michigan, I've heard the number, uh, it seems to be hard for me to find like a solid number, but I've heard like seven and a half million acres of public land just in Michigan. And it's like, I couldn't cover that in a lifetime. And then you have all these other different states. So, you know, getting a, a mobile tree stand and sticks and a pack, uh, or however your manner is going to be to carry that, or whether you're a saddle hunter, it allows you the opportunity to see every inch of that if you if you want to. And how do you think that's affected your success? Because it seems like last, I mean, so for me this year was the like I loved my lone wolf climber. I had it for five, six, seven years, something like that. And you know we were climber hunters, and then last year I started picking up you know, through you and, and, you know, through some of the other social media that was coming up about, you know, the hunting beast style hunting. So you're hunting, you're looking for beds. I was looking for sign, like a lot different sign than I'd ever like tried to key in on, on before. And, um, 
I got into some spots where, you know, I, the climber just didn't work for me. So this year I committed. I said, no, I'm selling that stand. Um, got a, a mobile setup. And, uh, I mean, I tagged out on, you know, two deer that I'm extremely happy with. And, you know, last year you, you know, kind of switched to mobile, killed two really good bucks. Um, and, and now, you know, this year you, you've had some success. Um, you know, it's been a little bit more trying on, you know, trying to put everything together the way that, that you've chosen to do it this year. Um, but how, how do you think that it's been as far as your encounters or, or you know, the effectiveness of it for you? I think, uh, that it's throughout this like evolution period of switching in the manner that I do hunt. Um, I've been able to kind of maintain my consistency. I've always been able to kill, you know, one or two deer a year here in my home state of Michigan. And last year I killed two deer, uh, this year so far I've killed one and I've definitely seen less deer, but I've also spent way less time hunting this year. I've spent a ton of time scouting. I kind of got like, um, real fascinated with, it always used to be for me when hunting season started, that's all I did. I just hunted. Like I kind of stopped like target shooting my bow, scouting, all I would do with every three second is hunt. And one of the biggest things for me that changed last year is I started taking hours and just committing those to like in season scouting. Um, and even this year, like there was hours that I would have spent in the woods where it's like, you know what? I'm not going to go in the woods right now. I need to shoot my bow because I haven't shot in a couple days and I just don't feel that confident. And I think the move, the switch to mobile hunting is kind of a big one. You know, maybe it's just me personally. Um, I've always been able to learn pretty quickly on the fly, but starting a new chapter in deer hunting and going out in a manner where you're like setting your, bringing your gear all with you, setting it up, tearing it down. One, it's a lot of work. Um, it, it takes a bit to get adjusted to that equipment. And two, it just, it takes a commitment in time. Um, so I feel like I've been able to kind of maintain what I've always done here in the last year or two. But what I foresee is in the coming years, the fact that I took the time to commit and learn this is really going to change things going forward. Like, I anticipate the next couple of years being a whole lot different. Obviously, I, I tied my whole season this year with a film project, which is a whole nother huge undertaking and learning uh, experience. Uh, but next year I plan on having like my hunting season and committing it kind of to myself and just to see like what I can do if I focus my efforts towards just getting out there and deer hunting now after doing it in this manner for the last couple of years and um, going off of what I've seen this year and projecting what I'm going to do differently next year, I've got some pretty high expectations 
for myself coming into next season. Yeah, it's funny because a few of the things that you said in there, you know, for me this year, like I had my most successful season this year, but I think by by fully committing to this, I didn't see shit for deer. I mean, like I did a lot of miles, a lot of walking around and, and scouting, and a lot of it was scouting with a, a stand on my back. I mean, the one day I walked like two and a half miles, I crossed this giant marsh in like, you know, stand on my back, went in there to hunt, and the sign wasn't there. So I just turned around and got back in the truck. I mean, I walked all the way back there, walked around, but there was no sign. And it, it kind of like just led me to, uh, I guess, maybe e- either being more confident in what I was seeing or like what I already knew. Because in years past, there's no way I would have been like, well, I have a day to hunt, so I'm going to hunt. Even if it's, you know, a shitty day or not a good spot, you know, I would just want to be out there. I would just want to be hunting. I feel like I was wasting the day if I wasn't sitting in a tree stand, even if it was knowing that I wasn't going to see shit. At least I was out there, you know, fucking it up for, you know, I was out there. I was hunting. I was a deer hunter. But in in essence, you were fucking it up. You were wasting the. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And so, you know, this year was, I saw maybe, maybe, 20 deer all season and I killed two of them and should have killed another one. I missed a real nice eight point at 35 yards. Cause I'm stupid. And like that was, you know, the best season with the fewest amount of deer, but the amount of encounters and good encounters were, were really high. And it just kind of goes to show that if you're paying attention and you're, you're hunting with a purpose. That's, I mean, that's what I did this year. I think that's kind of like what you're talking about is, you know, hunting with a, with a mindset that I'm going to go out there and I'm, I'm going to kill right now. Um, you know, or you're going to get some Intel on it. Yeah. I mean, you're hunting with a purpose, like you said, instead of just going out and putting time in, in the same old, you know, mundane way. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, you know, just as much a part of it as, as anything else is hunting with a purpose, you know? Well, let me ask you this. I mean, where does it rank in your deer season history for you personally? Like, did you have, I mean, where would you rank this deer season for yourself? I mean, did you have a lot of fun? Did you not enjoy it? Would, you know what I mean? Like, well, that's kind of what it comes down to, to me is like, the enjoyment of it, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like what you're telling me, you probably got some um, satisfaction out of the growth and the success, right? Oh, oh yeah. But so here's the thing. And, you know, we talked about this before on, on the podcast. But, you know, so last year you went out and you killed two great bucks and everything was, you know, it all kind of came together, it, it seemed like, you know, putting a stock on the one deer, you know, getting down and kind of figuring them out and and, and whatever. And for me this year, you know, I missed a a really good buck. Um, A morning I got up late, got in there, actually booted the buck that I ended up killing that night out of that same spot. 
and I just went back all downtrodden, you know, and uh, my brothers had, had both killed deer. I got a, a text from my brother in South Dakota. He killed a, a 150, 160-inch mule deer out there. And then my other brother, who doesn't hunt hardly at all, has only killed, this was his second deer with a bow, shot a doe that morning. And I'm like, man, we could have all, you know, we could have tripled up, you know, on the same day. And I went and fucked it up. And so I went out to a spot that I had, I scouted, uh, one day it was raining and I got down out of the stand and scouted and found a spot, marked it on my onyx and said, you can kill a deer here, like with this wind, you know? And so that night I went right back into that spot that I had marked, had the, had a good wind. It was on the outside of a bedding area. And this two and a half year old six point comes cruising by and I shot him at seven yards in the neck. Cause that's where I like to shoot him with the bow. <laughs> Cause they're always looking at me and, uh, he went 40 yards and fell over. And, you know, that to me was putting it all together. I mean, that was like, you know, and it's like you said, it's hard with a, a platform of everybody kills a 150, Um, you know, and that's what's expected. And I'm hunting, you know, the upper, upper peninsula of Michigan where, you know, 40 years ago, everybody killed big bucks up there. It was big bucks and now genetics and, you know, hard winters, wolves. Um, it's, it's a lot more big woods hunting than it is, you know, you know, just all these big bucks running around in these cedar swamps. And then, you know, three days later, I walk into a spot that we've hunted, you know, my father-in-law has hunted for 30 years. I went into a spot where I had some good encounters before everything went wrong. It was fucking terrible morning. And I was going to shoot the spike in the CWD zone that came by me at 30 yards and uh, just didn't happen. And then that, you know, 100 100 inch, 105 inch, 10 point walks by. Five minutes later, I killed him and he fell over at 50. And that deer, albeit the best deer I've ever killed on public land in Michigan, you know, best deer I've ever killed in Michigan, um, almost feels empty because i didn't put in like the hard work and it it wasn't like i mean yeah i went out there i found the spot i you know i kind of had an idea where i wanted to hunt but it wasn't like i don't know it, it just it feels lucky it wasn't like the yeah. spot up north where <laughs> yeah. you, you went and you scouted it and you're like all right i can kill a deer out of this tree but i but i killed that one on you know i killed the one in, up north on our property so it was private land and you know it's just it's just so i have this giant internal struggle it's like the tale of two trophies like which you know what i mean like put them side by side it's it's completely you know they're different different class deer for sure yeah well i know exactly what you're talking about um because like you're you know talking about my last last year i killed i killed my best buck ever, um, you know, 120 inch, three and a half year old. And then I killed, uh, you know, a hundred inch, uh, two and a half year old. And, you know, you add those two deer up inches wise, no questions asked. That's about your season on paper that I've ever had. But I can tell you that last year's deer season means very little to me in comparison to what this year means to me you know you can see the pictures and you can see the social media posts of people but 
you never know like what internally they're going through, what their struggles are, what their challenges are on a day to day. And for, for what I did in my personal life this year through this deer season, um, on paper, it doesn't look like anything in comparison, comparison to last season. Most people will look at it and say, Oh, looks like this dude took a step back, but that's not how I feel about it at all. I evolved more this year and achieved more things personally. This season for me blows last season completely out of the water. When I'm 50, 60 years down the road, if I am so fortunate to make it that far and I look back, I probably won't really remember last year's season. But I can assure you that I will never forget this deer season. And it's not because I went out and shot a couple big giant bucks. It's just because of my personal growth and some personal things that I wanted to do and accomplish. And I think that's the biggest thing about hunting. And I I think that's one of the reasons why hunting is suffering in the manner that it is. And we're struggling to bring numbers up is because we've made it so competitive and so about like goals and expectations that it's kind of sucked the fun out of it for a lot of people. Uh, And for me, man, I'm just not on board with that. Uh, I want it to be fun. And that's why every time I pretty much go out and come in from deer hunting, I got a smile on my face and uh i you know a lot of times they're okay so i didn't see a deer tonight but i went out in that woods and i did some soul searching and maybe a couple things clicked in my head that i was thinking about that i need to do differently in my personal life and that time is so valuable to just be able to sit out in the woods and be alone with your thoughts and gain some personal ground with yourself And I think that's why people that hunt are so addicted to it is because it's such a tool for like personal growth and it's such a tool for like just mental health and being happy in general. And I think if people could focus more on that and try to push that on the next generation of upcoming deer hunters, like this is a good way to keep a clean head and keep yourself happy and come home to your family and be a good man or be a good woman that we'd see more people getting into the deer woods, but it it seems as a community. And I understand why it is because humans in nature were so goddamn competitive and especially hunters. Um, it's a tribal thing and we're competitive in our own little space. And, uh, a lot of times, man, that sucks the fun out of it. And for me this year, I went into it is that I'm just going to have fun. Uh, I'm going to let it rip. I don't really care what anybody else thinks. I'm going to do my thing. And we kind of decided that we were going to just film it and share it with people. And, uh, it was a real struggle. Uh, one of the toughest things I've ever done in my life. Um, and it pushed me to grow as an individual like no other deer season ever has. And for that reason, I will never forget this deer season. Well, we, we've had you on uh, here for a little bit, and uh, I want to certainly get into this deer season and what you've got um, 
coming up here pretty soon. But even though we are uh, a bow hunting podcast, I just got to bust your balls a little bit here. Um, I, I, I've had the opportunity to talk with, uh, Bomber and, uh, and Ryan, some of the, the characters on your, uh, podcast. And it seems like your brother is kind of on the same level. You know, you guys are a deer hunting podcast and you hunt in the big woods, but it seems like none of you use a proper Michigan deer hunting rifle. Like what the fuck is up yeah. with, <laughs> you know, I, I get it. Like there's the nostalgia, but in you, you come from the, uh, the shotgun zone. And you know, if you're not from Michigan, there's, there's a line, right? Everything that happens yep. above the rifle line, you know, not, didn't happen. Right. So like I completely, <laughs> I just, I don't understand the, the, the weapon of choice. So can you like, please explain that to me? Like what, what is the, what is your, uh, weapon of choice for, for deer hunting, uh, with a rifle we'll say, and why? (laughs) So I'll tell you, we are cut from a little different cloth in the manner of, for whatever reason, whatever that little genetic thing inside your body is that usually tells you to like not step out of social standards and Mm -hmm. kind of fall in line. Uh, Myself, personally, I never got that. Um, So I just always kind of ran with what felt good for me, Uh, period, end of story. And here's why I hunt with a shotgun in northern Michigan is because I also hunt in southern Michigan, and I don't like having to fumble around with learning two different trigger pulls, having two different guns, two different ammos, keep it simple, stupid. (laughs) For me, I did that for years, man. I would take a rifle up north, and that gun obviously shoots different than my shotgun. And so what it came down for is me is, man, I'm not going to be fumbling around with two different guns. Like That would be like, to me, Someone telling me, hey, you can only hunt with this bow in northern Michigan. you got to hunt with this bow in southern Michigan. Like, I shoot these bows different. They're different to me. They feel different to me. They carry different to me. It's making it more complicated than what it needs to be. So for the last 10 years, and I do, man, I got a a really nice 30-06, but I can't hunt with that downstate. And the trigger is way different than the trigger on my slug gun. And to be honest with you, I found myself so many times at a disadvantage with that 30 out 6 because it was heavy. It was set up to shoot longer distances. And when I hunt in northern Michigan, I'm typically hunting from all the same locations that I bow hunt in. Most of the deer kills that I've ever had with a gun have happened within 40 yards. And a lot of them have happened within 15 So I need something that is as efficient in close yard proximity as it is to shoot out to 100 yards. I mean, what good is it to have a gun that shoots 250 yards flat when you can only see 35 yards? So to me, it was starting to think outside the box. What do I need that works for me? And that was a 12-gauge slug gun. Um, 
my 12 gauge slug gun will shoot 150 yards and I'm just, there's very limited times that I would ever have an opportunity to shoot over hundred yards up in the area that I hunt. Now I have come to find out that is not the ideal gun for me and I will be making a change here in the future. <laughs> and I like that 450 Bushmasher that's going on a whole lot. Um, I'll probably be making a move here in the future, whether it's to one of the newer, more dependable muzzle loaders or <laughs> CVA it's to a, to a 450. <laughs> yeah, no, probably won't be a CVA for sure. Won't be a CVA. Uh, it definitely won't be a CVA. It'll probably be a gun that's made here in America. Um, it'll probably be a gun that is made by people that stand behind their product. And I don't know, the other guys kind of have the same mentality that I have. I mean, when you're traveling up and down, up north, downstate, I get the nostalgia of having like a, a badass northern Michigan rifle, but it just is unfortunate that when you come back down to this area, you got to switch to another gun. And it just seems like it takes a little bit of the nonsense out of it for me, it makes things a little more simpler. And, uh, like I said, man, that, you know, the, the old school thought process of just keep it simple, stupid. So, uh, I do what works for me and, uh, I rarely am concerned when it comes to like what the, the trends or the norms are and focus on like my, my personal needs and what's going to help me achieve my goals. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Do you feel that question often? Because I just, the, every time I see the, you take some real great pictures of the, the stock with the slugs in it and you know, they're real photogenic and I'm just like, what the hell is this guy doing? Right. <laughs> uh, no, no one's really brought it up too much. Um, I will say that I can anticipate from some of the stuff that I have coming out here in the near future that I'm going to field a lot more questions. <laughs> Uh, about it and uh, everybody will get to anybody that wants to uh, see the adventure of my season this year we'll have the opportunity to but uh, there's definitely some goofy shit going on with my current setup uh, and I'm sure I'll be fielding some questions uh, but uh, no and the, I'll say this one other thing too is that that I think it's 300 grains that 12 grain that 12 gauge hornady sabot is 300 grains um there's no track there's the, the whole track tracking track job you you could like that part doesn't exist in the story because the deer is just laying dead right there when you shoot <laughs> so i like that a whole lot about that gun too like you can double lung it's pretty much anywhere you hit that thing it's a it's kind of a done deal i mean you're almost handling a piece of artillery uh and uh for what that gun has done for me um anytime i have ever pulled the trigger on that gun on a on a deer that deer has died within close proximity to where it was standing and uh that's another reason why you know i continue to hunt with it and i can't say that for every rifle that i've ever hunted with so so let's i don't want to keep you too long here but let's let's talk a little bit about your season this year so what the project that you've got um the the film 
and uh, you know, kind of everything uh, associated with that, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. Sure thing, man. I'm good. This season, you said you had a film project, and and uh, it was a little bit of a an experience, we'll call it. So, so how long was this project, and and what made you decide to to kind of do it, and uh, you know, what what's the project all about? So the whole thing started just over a year ago uh, with a phone call to who I know is like, you know, a close personal friend of mine. And we just met through uh, networking through some friends. And uh, I noticed that he was a very talented videographer, um, photographer, and a northern Michigan native. And uh, that guy's name is Jordan Susowitz. Uh, he owns Susworks Media. He's worked uh, under um, as like a field producer for the guys that become one who produce a couple kick-ass television shows and a lot of what I'll say top-tier hunting media. And uh, I called him one day and uh, I just said, "Hey, I got this." kind of crazy idea and all I'm looking for is to kind of get a general idea of what it would take to make a project like this happen. And we end up being on the phone for like an hour and he's like, you know, I'm really interested in what you're talking about. He's like, uh, maybe we should make this happen. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, well let's, you know, like, I don't know, man, like I don't have a big budget. Uh, obviously, uh, a big budget would be not truthful. I have no budget. <laughs> so, like, how how in the world could we make something like this happen? And so we kind of started laying the groundwork. Well, this is what we could do. Like, we could start here and do this and do that. And, and before you knew it, we were both, like, very invested in this project at, like, an extremely high level. Um, so we kind of set the groundwork for what we want to do and what we wanted to do was start to finish kind of showcase uh a northern michigan deer season um a deer season in general a michigan deer season but we chose to do ours in northern michigan on public land and uh you know it we did this whole project and we talked from the start that we wanted to do this in a manner that was relatable with a lot of people that I feel like a lot of the hunting films and TV shows and things that are produced aren't all that relatable. Yes, they are entertaining. Yes, they are awesome to look at and aspire to want to do something like that, but not always super relatable to what the common deer season is to the guy that's like the guy or the woman that's balancing work a family and then like trying to like we we're talking about you know from the beginning and this whole thing like grow as a deer hunter you know like evolve do things in a in a different manner and so that's what we did man my entire season was spent with jordan in the woods, um, I spent more time with him this fall than I did w at my place of employment than I did with my wife and kid. Uh, 
we hiked together, we camped together, we hunted together, uh, we worked in pre and post production together, editing together, um, basically since around the end of September, we've been full swing on capturing our entire deer season. And uh, I was just fortunate to be able to do it with a guy that I think is extremely talented. And uh, I wanted to be able to put something together to share with other people to just say, hey, look how much fun we're having. Like, you can have this much fun, too. So I feel like the film was done in a manner and at least we aspire to do it in a manner where even if you've never been hunting before, you could watch it and see the value in it and make some people go, damn, that looks like a good time. I think I'd like to do that. And so it's not a kill reel. You know, it's, it's not one of these things where you can go into the DVD menu and select which chapter, or which buck you want to see get shot. It's, it's far from that. Uh, it's a realist piece um, about the, the time and the effort that goes into, you know, taking the time to be able to get away from your family, get up there, do your scouting, have failures, have successes, uh, share the hunt with friends and family. Um, the tradition of a northern Michigan deer camp, uh, I don't know how that is not more publicized throughout the hunting industry uh it it should be a focal point like getting together with friends and family and enjoying that time with them uh should be such a focal point and it's not it's like at a large scale like nationally especially people don't even know it exists i'm sure if a western hunter was to watch our film they go what the hell are these guys what are they doing? Like, <laughs> why are they dragging their deer out of the woods? Why, why do they have them all hanging on a on a pole and they're all standing there drinking beer, staring at them? I don't understand what's going on, but that's the tradition of Northern Michigan, and we wanted to capture that and share that. And uh, I devoted my entire season to that. And you want to talk about taking you back to ground zero and humbling you? Try in your second year of mobile hunting to learn to work with a film guy and hunt with a cameraman and do film. Like, do I have no experience whatsoever being on camera? And I never aspired to. Um, but I realized real quickly, I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to do that, you know? And I'm going to have to do this. And he's like, yeah, man, that's like, that's part of it. And I'm like, fuck, like, if you had told me that before we started, I probably would have X-nade this whole project. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, luckily, we were too far into it. When things started getting really hairy, where I was literally, like, chewing my fingernails off and being like, holy shit, man, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can pull this off. And that's why I'm telling you that, like, this deer season means so much to me is because we we did accomplish what we wanted to accomplish and uh man it was just it was uh it was a wild ride it was crazy we did what we set out to want to do 
and here pretty quickly in the next couple of weeks, we get to share that with anybody that, you know, cares to see it. And uh, we'll have a piece that we can share with our kids and our grandkids and, and their kids, uh, you know, something timeless. Uh, and that was a big part of it too. So, so yeah, man, that's, that's been my deer season in a nutshell. It's obviously not over yet. We're right in the, like the, the, final uh fourth quarter you could say of like post-production and getting this thing to be a finished product we're going to premiere at the end of this month we just caught and released a trailer here last last week and that's out and kind of floating around so people want to like get a look at it and kind of see what i'm talking about they can kind of see that and see if it's something that they're interested in checking out but uh it's been one of the biggest chapters in my life for personal growth and uh, for growing as a deer hunter and a sportsman. And uh, I'm, I'm, I feel fortunate that I had the ability um, that my wife allowed me the time uh, to commit to this project and that we, like I said, we achieved what we wanted to. And so when's it going to be released and how can people uh, find it? So we just released the trailer last week. Uh, that's obviously on our Facebook page. Uh, YouTube, if you go to YouTube, Deer Hunter Podcast, uh, the YouTube feed, that's where you can see it in like the highest quality because you'll be able to see it at like 1080 full screen. And everything is done to like theater quality production. So the whole film was shot in 4K. Uh, everything is like digital audio, so it kind of does like a disservice to the quality if you just like pull your smartphone up and watch it on your smartphone. If you could throw it on like a desktop computer screen and like throw a good set of headphones in and like listen to it, uh, that YouTube is the best quality way to watch the trailer that we released right now. And then... As far as the film, the full-length feature, we are hosting a premiere event at the end of the month here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I can go into a little more detail on that. Uh, but once that's over, obviously people that aren't in close proximity to Grand Rapids, Michigan and don't have the ability to come to the physical premiere. Um, pretty cool. Uh, Jared Scheffler, Whitetail Adrenaline kind of stepped up and uh we're trading favors and he's building our dvd for us and uh so we're gonna have a, a dvd with the whole film project and we're gonna have a 4k download that anybody can go online and that way you can stream it to mobile devices or to your smart tv or in that manner as well so well awesome i hope that uh that dvd has some bloopers and outtakes Cause that's uh... <laughs> we do. There's talks of an extended cut. Because <laughs> I don't know, you know, I'd have to imagine like the overlap is probably pretty big. But if you haven't listened to any of the uh, the <laughs> the Deer Hunter podcast, um, you guys just did. Uh, you're over a hundred episodes now, and I want to say the ones leading up to number one hundred were all at the deer camp. And I think the yeah. opening night one um, would be a good kind of jumping in point if you want to see what I'm talking <laughs> about with these 
this cast of characters here. Um, I think that's probably one of the better ones. I'll I'll say we did the film in a manner to say that there is a little more to us than dick and fart jokes. (laughs) Um, We're pretty serious and passionate about hunting and giving it a good light and sharing out future generations. Um, So the film's a little different than what people are kind of used to hearing come out of our our mouths but i will tell you too that uh you know in the credits there's some entertaining stuff uh there's definitely going to be an extended cut project because uh you know we got to cut this thing down to the final production is uh, going to be just under an hour and we've been filming I, I don't know how many hours we filmed you know all all season um but we're cutting this thing down to a final hour and uh yeah, man, there, there's definitely an opportunity, and it's not a finished product yet. Um, so, but yeah, what I was saying is uh, Grand Rapids, anybody that's like within driving distance and would want to see it, uh, Saturday, January 26th of this month, so it's the last weekend in January, there is the Hunting Time Expo in Grand Rapids, and we're all traversing over to the west side got hotels for the weekend we're going to do the expo friday and saturday do some podcasts we're going to be bouncing back and forth between uh the exodus booth and the bha booth there at the uh, expo and then saturday evening the doors open at six o'clock we rented a theater we've got our own space within the theater has like a a private party venue so we've actually got our own theater space with a bar, full bar, wine, uh, wine beer, liquor. Um, there's going to be from the promotional partners that helped us get this project done. Um, they're going to be raffling off some uh, items. All that money that's generated from those raffles is getting donated to the backcountry hunters and anglers as they partnered with us in this project seeing as that the project wouldn't be possible without public lands. Uh, we felt it necessary to kick back to those guys, seeing as how much work they do for those places. And, uh, as well as a portion of the ticket proceeds are going to, uh, the Michigan chapter of BHA as well, as well as those guys are going to be set up in there, have a booth. They're going to be, hopefully signing up some new members, selling some hats and t-shirts, like I said, raffles, drinks, doors open at six. We're going to show the film at eight. And then we've got that space till like 11 o'clock. And then I'm sure from there, uh, I've heard rumors that there's a hop cat. That's not a far (laughs) drive from there. Uh, Probably end up in a space like hop cat or somewhere similar. And uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited for that weekend. Um, it's kind of the first time us as a podcast has like hosted a, an event. So, you know, we're, we're excited to see a lot of faces, shake a lot of hands, and obviously deer season just wrapped up. So see a lot of photos and stories and have some beers and just have a good time in Grand Rapids on January 26th. So. Well, I did buy a couple of tickets for that, so we're certainly going to be down there and uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, th- you know, thanks for, for coming on here, you know, kind of on short notice. I just got a hold of you yesterday and, um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be, uh, supporting you guys out there and, um, you know, like, again, just, just really appreciate you taking the time. Oh yeah, man. I appreciate you reaching out and having me on and, uh, 
I look forward to doing this again where we can uh, sit down in a little longer format, throw some headsets on and have some beers and uh, do this again uh, not too not too long from now, you know what I mean? So uh, I appreciate it and thank you. All right, Kevin, well, have a great night and we'll uh, we'll see you in uh, in a couple weeks. Okay, thanks guys. Yep, you see ya.